Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Parasol Podcast on a Wednesday. We got to talk some USC football. We got to see a game in the Coliseum, fans in the stands. We're going to talk about that with Keely. You are following Twitter at Keely is my name. We're going to answer any questions that you have. We're going to preview a little bit of the game USC-Stanford coming up this weekend, the first conference game, first Pac-12 game of the season, which is usually the case when USC and Stanford play because of that Notre Dame game. But I think George Klyovkov is going to fix that down the road. I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting the same old hiccups to happen in the scheduling that we did before. And uh, But we got to talk about all that stuff with Keely, as, you meant, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> you mentioned. Maybe you were thinking to yourself, is Keely going to be on the show? She is. She's right here. Hi, Keely. Hello, hello. What's going on? Nothing much. Glad to be back on the sideline of the Coliseum. That was great. Fans? great as well um the game interesting but overall great to be back and in the swing of things yeah i mean i just i did my podcast of champions a little plug uh our pac-12 podcast make sure you guys check that out you know if you usc fans are going to complain about you know winning by 23 and covering the spread there's some other programs in the conference that have bigger complaints so it's one of those things where it's like yeah did look great but uh it could be a hell of a lot worse. Uh, and I don't know. My intro, did you notice? Was it a little longer today, Keely? Was it? I felt. I don't know if it felt that way. I feel like I'm doing an audition. Why? Oh, well, we'll get to it when we get to our uh, our reviews. But so I just, you know, I'm just trying to impress the people out there. With okay. The yeah. Got it. And so, you know, just keep that in mind. If you felt there was a really good opening, then there's a reason why. Because I'm just, I feel a little better about it. I just read some of the reviews and I feel happy about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but if you guys have any questions or comments for us on the show, and thanks so much for sending them in. We're getting, uh, we're seeing the numbers as far as listener numbers go way up. People are spiking, getting ready for the season. Uh, and lots of questions coming in. So you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Just say, basically, we've got two shows, or, well, you can do the Family Feud, too. You know, the Keely Ryan show, the Harvey Hyde show. If you want a Family Feud one, you can do that, too, or you can send them directly. What's that? FamilyFeudPod at gmail.com? Yep. You can do that one, too. Or tweet at us, DM us, Yeah, anything. they like those more. I'm more of the old school, do the emails and stuff, but you can send an email into the show. Just let us know which show you're doing, and you can also call or text us at 424 Nine one four one. We get some text messages. We get some voicemails. Try to keep them brief. We do appreciate those. But here's what's important. You know, the fact that we're getting a lot more viewers, or listeners, Keely. Maybe not viewers. Maybe they're watching on their phone. Uh, if you got the Apple Podcasting app, it's the biggest platform as far as podcasts go. When people leave us a five star rating, it just helps to grow the show. More people get to experience it. And we've had a little promotion going on. That hey, you got to take the time. We appreciate it. You leave us a five star review. Any kind of feedback, concerns, questions you have in there, we're going to give you, potentially every week, a $50 gift card to our sponsor, Trader Joe's, who they've been awesome for us uh, over the years. And it's been uh, it's been well-received, I guess you could say. Yeah. We're getting a lot of uh, reviews. I sent out a gift card this morning for our uh, review from last week, and uh, we got like nine or ten more this week. We're not, we did that last week. We didn't really plan because, you know, 
I try to get Keely to plan things. She's not big into that. It's oh, more. Oh my goodness. No, of course I'm the I'm the <laughs> just fly by. So we usually can read them all, but there's just, just too many. We don't want to subject you know the first half hour of the show to reading reviews. True. Yeah. Yes. They're all five star reviews, which is great. Thank you for that. But we picked a few that we like. Some one finalists. Of, one of them's kind of long, and then we'll announce the winner, and then. Uh, yeah, move on from there. Well, thank you first to everyone who put in their reviews. We appreciate you guys very much. Uh, we have a one. Our first finalist is from John the Dag, who said, "I can't get enough of the Periscope podcast. I've been listening to it for years and never miss an episode. Brian and Carly are from phenomenal. How could you not appreciate Carly's love for the Dodgers and gluten-filled sweets? And Brian's former career as a plumber has served him well. His plumbing to football analogies are the best in the history of podcasting. If you listen to this podcast, you will never be confused about the." Details of USC football or any details at all, John the Dag. John, very good. So, if this was for the podcast of champions, I think we have a winner because we love the sarcasm and stuff there. But it's yes. really, this is a really strong entry. So, it, thank you for that. It was hard to say Dodger fan because definitely not, but yes. well done. It was you very sarcastic. Tell- if you don't know us, that was all like. Not really us. Yeah, they pay attention, which is good. Uh, we got another uh, five-star review from S. Rubinoit. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, and he says, starting a petition to get Ryan's Hello Trojan Fans intro played over the loudspeakers at the Collie. Oh, this is from Seth. So thank you, Seth. Yeah, thanks, Seth. So you were auditioning, Ryan, is what you're saying. I, I, I mean, you know, you play some cool, something cool when they, they come in. What would, you know? I think that'd be cool to have me to do that over the Coliseum Sounds like a nightmare, Ryan. Would you be scared, nervous as hell? <laughs> it would just be like a bad dream. I'm trying to do my job and just you in the loud speakers of the Coliseum. I'd just do that for once, you know, like. Uh, no, thank you. Mike Bone, Brandon Sausen, like, make that happen. Like, you, you know, like. <laughs> no, thank that'd you. That'd be pretty funny. Okay. No. Keely no. says no. And then we have one final one. And it's it's a long one, so bear with me. But the effort was put in there. Um, it's from Everdon, who gave us five stars and says, come for the Trader Joe's plug, uh, but stay for the podcast. If you want to hear the greatest advertisements for Trader Joe's, then the Parasol podcast is for you. Led by Ryan, try everything in the store, Abraham, and Keely Gluten-Free Your. Uh, they lead you on a journey through Trader Joe's products that will make you wish you lived there. Listening to these podcasts have led to thousands of dollars spent on wine and frozen goods. These plugs are so good that I sometimes have to go back and listen to retired Trader Joe's Hall of Famer, Dan Weber, to talk about those shopping bags. If that's not enough as a bonus to stay for the podcast, we're a very, a very list of experts Please, uh, any USC football fan, Harvey, old school Hyde, if you don't like your quarterback wearing their hats backwards, or if you disdain the consumption of sunflower seeds on the sideline, then Coach Hyde is the man to listen to with his strong opinions and unique voice. Shotgun Sprantling on the level, uh, straightforward analysis, but if I were Ryan, I'd be worried about him taking over the site and making it a basketball, baseball-only podcast. Ryan needs to tell him that we're a football-only school and now a women's basketball school, too, since our coach rocks. Chris Trevino is a breath of fresh air. No, more like a breath of air you would breathe in a Grateful Dead concert. (laughs) Somehow that sarcasm and self-depreciating humor makes me relax no matter how bad USC is playing or practicing. If USC is 12-0, then listen to Shotgun or Coach Hyde. But if they're going 0-12, then Chris, with his smooth voice, will make everything seem like it's okay. Don't forget they also have special guests like Bruce the Athletic Fox Feldman. Petros, when am I allowed back on USC's campus, Papa? and Gerard five-star analyst Martinez, along with a weekly call from Curtis in Marino Valley to top it all off. Yes, this is a can't-miss podcast. Come for the Trader Joe's plug and stay for the podcast. And as Dan Weber says sometimes in his Twitter feed, you won't regret it. Look wow. at that. That is maybe the longest one we ever got. Yes. Wait, good good read there, by the way. I tried, I tried. That was tough. Uh, Everdon, 
think I think we're gonna give it to him. Yeah, you can so, tell he he's been paying attention. He he's, knows what's going he on. He knows what's going. on. I mean, on. not that you know. Everyone does. I'm yeah. just saying it's it's the attention to detail is appreciated. So just email us. Uh, you can email me Ryan at uscfootball.com or podcast at uscfootball.com, and I will send you your gift card. So congratulations and thanks for that. Whew. Okay. Um, top of the show though, we got a you know, not great news. Obviously, it's a depressing, sad. Uh, been lucky enough to speak uh, with this gentleman uh, on a number of occasions at different USC events. But Sam Bam Cunningham uh, yeah. passed away at the age of. 71 i didn't they, the release i saw didn't have any kind of uh cause of death but and you know he just seemed like a a young 71 too yeah uh, i don't know if you ever got to meet him keely but yeah. i did i actually uh he spoke uh at, in jeff fellinser's class and so i got to hear uh, his point of view and things and it was just i mean his story is incredible and so it, it was truly shocking to me when we got that press release so it's just a sad day yeah it's like you know i He's one of those guys where you'd like send an email or something like, hey, are you going to come to this event? Or you, I mean, he just was around. He was yeah. doing things and just was always involved in the USC stuff. Very humble. It was still a, a mountain of a man, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, it's not someone that you were looking at like, oh, yeah, he could be, you know, he seemed like he could live for another 20 years. You know? Yeah, was, I mean, and, and like you said, he was always around. Like he was a very faithful supporter of USC. And so it just was so shocking to to hear that. And it's still kind of surreal, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just let people know. Well, by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be up. But uh, we had you know reached out to Dan Weber, you know, who retired um, from the site, and I uh, thought he'd be perfect. Uh, you know, I think you and Chris kind of came up with the idea, but I emailed Dan, and he was very happy to uh, write a column on this one. So we'll have that up here for you guys pretty soon. Um, but I haven't even read it yet. He just sent it to me, so I'm going to check it out. But uh, sad, sad day, and a mm-hmm. lot of it's it's you know. It was a national story just because of the involvement with Alabama and just he was such a popular figure, not just for USC football, but college football uh, across the country. So uh, rest in peace, Sam, and uh, fight on. Yep. Yep. Um, All right. Well, we got some other stuff to get to. Uh, It's been a few days, but, you know, USC did beat San Jose State. They did. Want to know? They did. Uh, San Jose State, I think, is pretty good. We'll see if if that ends up being the case. Kind of like... Sort of, we don't have to go a ton of this because we have questions and everything, but sort of fell into what we thought. Like, yeah, like, yeah, the defense is going to be a lot better, like, going to be well coached. They're going to be um, flying around the football, and they did a great job, I thought. Um, yeah. And then the offense, you're like, yeah, there, there'll be some highs and lows. And that's exactly what happened. What, like, those six drives in the middle were pretty fruitless. And then, you know, the beginning was good and the end was good, but. Red zone problems, just clunkiness. Like it's, mm-hmm. I guess it's sort of. I didn't expect a special team. I think special teams were below average. I thought they would be yeah. better, but in general, it's like you'd think that the offense would be like a, a shining point, but it's really, it's kind of the question mark. Not just the offensive line, more just the offense in general. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, it was f- interesting because it definitely confirmed everything we were seeing in fall camp. You know, we had questions even in spring. Who is going to be the number two, number three, number four receiving option for Keaton Slovis? I know people are probably sick of me saying it at this point, but that's what we saw on Saturday. You know, we had more questions coming in about this offense than we did about the defense. And to the defense's credit, I mean, losing a guy like Isaiah Polamau, two-time captain, veteran in the defense. I mean, talking to Craig Nivar. Uh, leading up to game week, he was talking about how, you know, he compares his scheme and being a, a safety 
to algebra you know like you have to know why you're doing x y and z before you get to solve the problem and so yeah. it's, it's complicated and so in that sense uh it would would have been nice for usc to have a veteran guy in there but instead you have chase williams getting his first start next to a true freshman getting his first start and i thought Kalen bullock shined we had heard uh, in fall camp that they were really high on him and, and excited about his ceiling and i think Trojan fans saw why on saturday i mean uh he's still getting first team reps because isaiah pulmao has not returned yet to practice it seems kind of iffy right now whether or not he will be able to return uh for uh stanford uh, Kalen Bullock let it slip, but he has COVID. He was he tested positive. Uh, Isaiah Polamaus, excuse me, uh, has COVID and tested positive on Wednesday. So uh, that's kind of the iffy part about when he will be feeling better and out of quarantine. So that's something to watch for there. Yeah. But overall, I mean, the defense too. You have Nick Figueroa go down at one point. Drake Jackson's going in and out. Chris Steele had a bit of a hamstring shin issue apparently, and so there's a lot of rotation. And you're seeing guys like Josh Jackson, who we hadn't seen in fall camp for a couple weeks, go in there and basically yeah. have a pick. Like I thought it was a. Re- it definitely reflected the coaching ability on the defensive side of the ball of how well guys rotated in and it didn't feel like there was a major drop off. You weren't saying like, Oh, this true freshman is a major liability. And they tried to make Nick Starkle beat them, beat USC with his arm. And so in that game, you're having Jaden Williams rotate in, you're having Josh Jackson rotate in, you're having a yeah. true safety, true freshman safety start. You could exploit that if you really wanted to, but USC did, did pretty well. So Overall, I think it's kind of what we expected. This offense has question marks. Who will be, uh, who will get that pressure off of Drake London? Because I, I was on the sideline for that game, and and San Jose State was going after him hard. I mean, I, when I rewatched the broadcast, you could pick up on just the trash talk that I, in my opinion, Drake London rightfully had the right to do because they were taking cheap shot after cheap yeah. shot. It was, it was pretty brutal out there. Um, and, and I know USC's coaches were getting on the refs for, they weren't getting calls that they wanted to as far as unnecessary roughness and whatnot. So you gotta, you can't put that, those many miles on Drake London and have him be healthy throughout the whole season. No. You got to have other guys step up. It can't just be the Drake London offense for multiple reasons, but especially for his health. Um, but on Tuesday, we saw Gary Bryant come back. Uh, and I, that was surprising to me of how he uh, looked pretty good. Like yeah. I, I, for a guy who missed most of fall camp, like a good chunk of fall camp, he came back and had like a touchdown streak in the one-on-one period. He looked good, and I mean, so. I mentioned him like just brought up like he he was going crazy in the one-on-ones. I'm like, yeah, and he would. It was like those uh, high school events where like you're waiting in line for your rep because ever you know he would jump in line and get go yeah. know, multiple reps. Yeah, so. no, it was a very encouraging sign that we saw that from Gary Bryan. I know Helton said that he was they kind of pulled him a little bit. Uh, just to make sure that he's not overdoing it. So with Gary Bryant, I feel like you definitely have to wait until you see him on game day with the pads on, lining up to be like, okay, he's going to play because you never know with that hamstring and everything. But, I mean, that should be helpful for USC, just having that option because Gary Bryant is kind of the second most experienced guy in this offense and with Keaton Slovis. So he can be a really uh, valuable weapon on Saturday if he stays healthy and whatnot. That was a very rambly no, uh, it was good. overall view of I, I like it. I think it all makes sense and I think you look at this team on the defensive side when you have confidence you have one team captain he's out like not even going to be there yeah um 
you know, you lose some key pieces along the way. Drake Jackson makes that incredible interception. Then he's not able to be in all the time. And the defense still was fine. Like it, they were good the whole time. And I felt if this, if the offense lost a key player, like, I mean, if Drake London wasn't out there, like what, what, what happens? Yeah. They go backwards. Like, I don't know what, you know, so less confidence in what the defense, I mean, the offense is doing. We'll see if they're able to clean some of that up. They just have to be more efficient, you know, and we're not seeing efficiency. It's just the, you know, Carl Harvey Hyde was calling it the, the return of the gumbo and, you know, Dan Weber used to call it about the gumbo and stuff where you just sort of relied on athletes to make incredible plays. And that's basically what this offense was doing. We didn't see anyone scheme wide open or, or get it to work. If they were that, you know, Keaton didn't find them. Um, This is all, I think it's fixable, but it's a little concerning. Yeah. Kind of going into that one. It's not like San Jose state has like amazing defense. They had a good pass rush. They get, you know, they got to Keaton a couple of times. Sometimes he got sacked. Sometimes he, got away and found somebody downfield but this is uh I think if you want to be a championship caliber team you have to have a a better offensive output than that because the way the defense was doing it stop time after time it helps like if the defense gets a stop and the offense scores you okay it puts you know now you know what the the San Jose State's going to do they're going to have to throw the ball and they sort of were like the defense was having to defend in a San Jose State has a lot of options zone because the offense wasn't doing anything for such a long stretch of that game you put more pressure on the defense and to their credit they you know they gave up one touchdown that's it scored one so yeah yeah I mean overall I think it's interesting because you know I talked to Clay McGuire on Tuesday and he said we saw everything from San Jose State's defense not only from the games that they played in in 2020 but also 2019 so they threw the whole book at uh, definitely the offensive line. And so there's things where you go, hey, that makes sense. You're playing two new, like, uh, redshirt freshmen, true freshmen on the offensive line at the tackles positions. You have transfers coming in. You have, you know, Taj Washington, Malcolm Epps, guys who, like, you still have to get chemistry. It's game one. Things will happen. I get that. And, like, I understand from a player perspective why you would have that that mindset. But if you go to the larger scheme of things, this is your three of Graham Harrell's offense. Why does it feel like it's so labored? Like that's the phrase that kept kept coming to my mind when I was watching the game, rewatching the game. It's just so labored. Like it just feels a little clunky. Like they're hoping something will happen, not they know something will right, happen. Right, exactly. And you Hope know, it's not a plan. Yeah, and so even the the two minute drill in the the first half, like it just everything felt like it was a little just out of rhythm. I don't know. It just. I, I, the thing that I kept saying is like it's not you, you don't really enjoy watching this offense because it just seems like everyone's kind of in their heads and I don't know if that makes sense to you Ryan but like yeah you you enjoy it for the things that that Drake London can do or Keaton Slovis can move out of the pocket and, and, and make that that throw to Malcolm Epps but like it just doesn't feel like hey UFC needs to go score and they can go do it and at what point do you ask, okay, why aren't we seeing that yet? You know, and we will see more wrinkles. We've definitely seen more creativity in practice. And I asked Graham Harrell how limited the playbook was in week one. Of course, you don't want to put all that on on tape. And he said it, it was it was limited. Like they didn't show everything. So there are definitely more wrinkles. And we didn't even really see like a, a Keenan Kristen out there, stuff like that. So there are more options and things to do, but I would just say this offensive performance doesn't inspire confidence that this team can be the air raid, put up a ton of points team that it keeps being branded as. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And uh, 
It's sort of like, you want to do a food analogy since we had those yeah, things? Yeah, Okay, it. so you're like a chef, fairly, uh, you know, a w- well-regarded chef, and you have a series of uh, engagements, and there's different levels of critics. There'll be a critic at each one of your engagements, and like, the first critic is uh, with the, like, teen beat, like on, uh, you know, Seventeen Magazine or something. Not exactly... Uh, the, a world-renowned palette, you know, and you could make something that's like, it's all right, but it wasn't your best work. And they're like, yeah, that's pretty good. Like, I like this. This is this is yummy. Um, and just sort of move on. And you're like, okay, well, but you're going to have to cook up a storm for this next one because it's the New York. Th- no, the next one is uh, like something else that's terrible, some older terrible magazine or something. What's a uh, like highlights magazine you would get in the dentist office? Um, because Stanford... As I said on the Tunnel Vision show, maybe I won't. Should I say it here or no? You already said it. Stanford so. is butt. Like they are terrible. <laughs> right. Okay. So you're like you're gearing up for like this the next review, which you think is going. You know, no, they're awful. So you have another uh, less regarded reviewer that's going to look over your your food. And are you going to put much more effort into the prep into the kitchen and everything, or knowing that there's a a fairly easy person to uh, entertain that's going to be reviewing your, you know, your efforts. I feel like that's what's going to be happening here. Like now, USC could turn it around and just absolutely boat race Stanford, and that's what they should do because Stanford is terrible. Like they are an awful football team. I cannot stress this enough. Really, really bad. And look out, like, because who's after that? Washington State, who lost to Utah State, new coach. One and five the last time they played. They are a bad Mountain West team, like bad. And Washington State gave up 15 points in the fourth quarter and lost. Outscored 15 to three. Um, Oregon State, no, Purdue is not good. Now they they looked feistier, like they're they're a better team, but they're not very good either. So like USC's next three games, there's a chance that San Jose State's better than all of the, the yeah. other ones. Yeah. So. Even if you don't, like, even if your whole offense is still, like, do nothing, do nothing. Oh, Drake London made a great play. We scored a touchdown on that drive. Do nothing, do nothing. Um, You know, run between the 30s. But as soon as you get down, you know, when it gets closer, the field gets more compact. uh, Everything stalls. You can still beat all of these teams. Like, now, can you beat Utah that way? Can you beat Notre Dame that way? Like, probably not. But there's no sense of urgency to fix the problem, knowing that you could sleepwalk through these games and probably get wins. That was the interesting thing about post-game interviews, kind of asking about, you know, red zone issues and the offense stalling at times. It felt like what we've heard in the past where it's like, oh, we'll figure it out. Like, oh, it's because and, – and I understand how you can say this this person didn't execute on this play and that's how it broke down. But – and the overall theme is if we're hearing this year after year, like, I don't – what do we do with that? <laughs> you know, as a reporter, yeah. what do you ask? Because, like, the thing is, is if this was a game one in a vacuum, I'd be like, the offensive line looked better. They graded better for in their PFF grades. I think, like, three of the offensive linemen had their best PFF grades. So that's an improvement under Clay McGuire. The run game looked better. I thought Keontae Ingram looked good. Um, Vi did what Vi does. Drake London doing Drake London things. And then you would say, okay, well, it's first game. There's transfers, hiccups, whatever. They'll probably write the ship. It'll look better as the season progresses. But we're not in a vacuum. Like, I think we've said that about the season opener 
how many seasons prior, you yeah. know? And so I could USC turn it around and get much better on offense? Yes, they totally could. They have the talent to do so. Will they? I'm not sure. You know, I, mm. I, I'm just, I'm not sure because I, I don't know. Am I being too harsh right now, Ryan? No, not at all. I think this is, that's the, that's the reality of what's uh, going on. And year one, Keen Slopes comes in off the bench. Weren't expecting him to be the number two guy, let alone start most of the games. And they put up a lot of points and they score a lot. I mean, 400 yard games and four different receivers with a hundred yards against UCLA. Like there was some cool stuff that was going on and you expected that to get better. Now the pandemic year was weird. Didn't have the off season. Keaton didn't look the same, even though statistically he was still like the best quarterback in the pac 12. It's, the problem here, Keeley, for me is when you go to the air raid, it's a it's a different system than what many of the USC fans, especially the old school fans, are used to. We've got how many people want us to, you know, why aren't they running a fullback? Why aren't you under center? It's like, well, that's not modern college, fo- college football anymore. But you sort of went, it wasn't just like a spread concept where they're running a lot like in Oklahoma or something. This is full air raid, which is, you know, different. Um, when you're quarterbacks throw for 400 yards a game you say well that's what we do you know and sorry they were not running with a fullback and and going power and all this stuff but look they scored a whole bunch of points and Graham Harrell's said that before it's like if the run game stunk I think it was the Washington State game they had like no rushing yards or something and like hey well we, you know we scored 28 points in the first quarter it's like yeah I, that's a good argument like if you're going to score 28 points, I don't care what you do. If you run it backwards or you throw balls over your head, like whatever you're going to do, you score 28 points in a quarter, like go keep doing it. That's sure. fine. Yeah. But when you're not efficient and it's not effective and you score 23 points, you know, against a, a Mountain West team at home, now your people are opening up through not just like what, you, you know, the players or the ski. It's like your philosophy. They're like, if you're going to use this philosophy, it better freaking work. And I think that's where the USC is going to be in trouble, that you're going to put up 50 points a game and people complain about the philosophy. You go, you point at the scoreboard, there's, we scored 50 points. You score 23, and you're like, why the hell are you running this philosophy? We could score more than that with you know running <laughs> under center and all that kind of stuff. So I think you open yourself up to the criticisms and the people that are saying – you know, originally, like, people are going to catch up to this. It's a simple playbook. Yeah, it's working now, but then people are going to figure it out, and then you're not going to be able to to move the ball and score anymore. Now you're giving them validity. You know, now you're get, that there's more evidence on their side that they were right. Like, hey, people figured this out. It's a simple playbook. Guess what? You could stop it easier once you know what's going on. And after year one, we just haven't seen those kind of, like, super explosive efforts that last for – even three quarters of the game. So sorry, there's a little long ramble. No, but. no. I mean, you you picked off where I left off, but yeah, it it's just it's just kind of curious, you know, like the fact that we saw a lot of Michael Jackson and we saw a lot of uh, uh, Kyle Ford. Like, why did like why did we only really see Taj Washington in the game? You know, and and I I like Taj Washington. I think he could be a, a valid second option for USC. But why not get more rotation? This seems like a great time to have more rotation for the wide receivers. But we didn't play four it. wide receivers. Uh, yeah, I, I played four tight ends. Like you played the same number of receivers as tight ends. Like that, that doesn't make any sense. And like I said, this could be figured out. They could open up the playbook more. I know Clay McGuire has had more wrinkles 
put in the playbook. Like I know that it seems like they're on a better page now. They have an offensive line uh, coach that knows the system. No, was under Mike Leach as well. So I mean, it could improve, and I think it's it. It almost kind of feels like whack a mole a little bit because like I feel like USC kind of fixed run game offensive line issues. It at least looks better. It looks like a better yeah. trajectory. But now it's like, well, what's happening with wide receivers? Like that's usually not a problem that USC has, and I think that's a valid question right now we've been asking it for a while but i don't think they've solved it necessarily and it feels like something that usc shouldn't struggle with like that's the bread and butter like quarterback to wide receivers getting guys in space making sure the offense flows well with your wide receivers it just doesn't doesn't look like that right now yeah i I agree with you and the uh the run game was funny i was talking to david woods on the previous show he wasn't really impressed with usc's run game you know ingram ran for like 5.7 yards a carry or 5.6 and I ran for like 4.7. Like, there, you know, it was pretty good effort, 150 yards or whatever it was between the two guys. I think 29 carries. And Clay Hilton, when we talked to him, said that there weren't as many negative carries. I need to go back and look, but there was, I think there were still a lot that were in the like one to three yard range, you know. Um, they each broke like kind of a big one. If you take out the big one, you know, that it, it wasn't like you held the, handed the ball off and you're getting five or six yards. It was like, there was a bunch of ones and twos and then some some bigger ones, which is still a little concern. I think you want to see a little, little more consistency. Like if I f- get a hand the ball off, you know, they did a draw on third and 11, you get a big play. Like some of that stuff is more, that's almost like trickery more than like, you're not expecting a run. I, I don't usually like those plays because they usually get stopped anyway. You're trying to trick them. But I, I feel like there was still a fairly high percentage of runs that weren't like the analytics would say effective runs. Yeah, there were problems where I, I can see a play of Vi, he would just go lateral. He wasn't cutting up. A lot I, of that, yeah. I think uh, Clay Helton even mentioned that on Tuesday. But overall, I think it was a step forward. It wasn't like what we've seen. True. Yeah, that's and I, th- I think that is just where the, the bar is at right now. Is like It wasn't the exact same thing we've seen year after year with USC's run game where it's like, ooh, this is not good. It's not creative. Eric Cromen hooks in. He's motioning to the side where the handoff is going to go, you know, like it, it, there were some, there were differences. So I think that at least is improvement. And I mean, from the players we've talked to, the coaches we talked to, it seemed like they were really anticipating San Jose state to be one of the better defensive fronts that they see in the first half of the season. So I'm my, the jury's out right now, at least for me with the run game, it looked better. And I think I will still marinate on, on what it looks like going forward. Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, all right. Anything else? Like, do you have any Stanford thoughts? Like, Stanford went to, just so people know, uh, they played down in Arlington against Kansas State. Kansas State, you know, not a great team. Uh, Stanford, Kansas State's driving on the first drive of the game, move the ball down the field. Stanford's defense looks bad. And it takes, I think it was Kelly, the he's a good corner for Stanford, like a one-handed, like, interception going out of bounds that they called incomplete. Then they reviewed um, like on the very first drive of the game, like that's, it took like this miracle stop to get Kansas state from scoring on an opening drive and Kansas state kept going. And it was 24 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Um, David Shaw started the wrong quarterback, even though everyone thought Tanner McKee should be the guy. He always does the opposite of what anyone tells, like everyone thinks he's done this for years. Um, You know, talking to, and you know, now McKee's going to be the starter, but they started Jack West and kept going back to him. He just was not effective. Um, not that I think it would make a huge difference, but McKee's definitely a better, gives you a better option. 
they took the lo- a long time. They were down the entire game, and they were still like taking the whole play clock every time. Like they're the point. David Shaw is like, and I talked to R.J. Beatty about this, who's you know works for our site now, uh, who covered Stanford for years and went there. He's like David Shaw's goal is to win twenty-one to seventeen. Like, but it doesn't seem to matter if the other team already has like twenty-eight points. Like it seems like he's still trying to get to twenty-one. Like that's the goal, you know. Um, and he he said like. Third and four is like the goal on every drive. Like you're just trying, like they're trying to shorten the game where like if USC's used to getting 14 possessions, Stanford wants you to only get eight. That could, you know, spell trouble for a USC team that can be inefficient. You go six drives in a row without scoring. If you only get eight, you're not scoring that many points in the game. So that's sort of like Stanford's philosophy. They're going to shorten the game. They were down 24, nothing. They were using the entire play, Stanford on offense, using the entire play cock, finally score, and don't go for two. So you're, you know, you think 24 is three scores, like, and still kicked that extra point. Like, it's almost like winning was not in his mindset. Like, it was just like, nah, we don't want to like expose ourselves and only score six. Like, okay, so you score seven. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, he does some weird, I mean, he's an extremely smart man. He just does some weird, stubborn, coach stuff that's freaking baffling to me. So USC has to be more efficient because they're going to get less possessions in this game. Like Stanford can shorten the game. Like that's something in their control that they can do. That's not always the smart thing to do. Like you're down three touchdowns. You're not trying to shorten the game. Well, they still do. They did the entire game against Kansas state. Um, So for USC, it's like a 17 point spread in this one. They're going to have to be more efficient on their drives because they won't get as many. Yeah. They can't just like, oh, we'll get them the next time. Like, you know, I think Kansas State ran 45 plays like in the game. Wow. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. And including an, you know, an interception in the end zone. But Stanford still was down 24 to nothing, you know? And so it's a weird one. But USC, I think defensively, you'll be fine. You have to be more efficient on offense because you're going to be limited. And the way Stanford can win and upset you is that you screw up the first couple of drives and maybe a turnover and Stanford punches it in. They're going to really slow the game down at this point. Yeah. And so that's that's something they can do. They can't out-athlete you. They can't do – you know, not necessarily can outscore you, but boom. Like they can shorten the game. So that's going to force you to be more efficient when you have the ball. And I feel like that's a struggle right now for USC's offense where if you want to, like, of course the goal is always to score, but if you have limited possessions and you know you need to score, it feels like the offense kind of gets in his, its head a little bit. It doesn't seem like they're, they're it's it, it's easy for them. Yeah. So I think that will be interesting. And to be fair, they did win like five come behind games in 2020. So maybe it's just a thing for Keaton where it just like it changes in his mind the flip is switched but uh, or the switch is flipped but I mean I could see this being a funky game though which is weird because if you look at USC's defensive line Nick Figueroa has AC sprain didn't practice on Tuesday Jake Lichtenstein comes out Tuesday with the AC sprain how will they be able to play if they will be able to play on Saturday and you know Stanford Stanford they're still a big big physical team crazier things can happen yeah I don't know. They're, I don't know if I told you this, but they're butt. You did tell me this, and people texted me about you saying that. So yes. I mean, is that a bad word or something? I don't no, know. it's just not very 
professional, but it's fine, right? It's a uh, it's descriptive. I'm trying to like paint a picture <laughs> here. I want you to realize that they are a bad football team. Like yes, yeah, and I think we're gonna we're gonna see that throughout the season. Okay, I'm I'm I've predicted a lot of things, and that you know I thought Washington would be a lot better. Like Phil Steele had Washington as their like surprise team of the Sleeper year, pick. and then they I mean it might have been the worst. Offensive performance in like Division One, you know, like FBS history. Like, there's been like for ranked teams to lose to FCS schools, which is what happened. Washington's ranked team to lose to FCS school. It's happened a handful of times, um, but no one's ever only scored seven points on an FCS school. Like that's like a historic. You know, John Wilner wrote about this. Cincinnati did. I forget who they played, but someone beat Cincinnati beat some team and only scored seven points on them. And it was like in the eighties or whatever, but like Cincinnati was, was FBS or whatever. It was division one, then division one, a for one year, they went to like drop down a division and that's the, the year they won. And they were back up again. So it was like, they weren't like a long time, you know, FCS school. They were for one year. So I don't even think that counts. Like no one's done this. No one's as a ranked team scored seven points on an FCS school. So Washington, like that is historic low kind of stuff. Um, and that's, I think that's Stanford's chance is that the rest of the Pac-12 North is so terrible right now that maybe they'll get some wins. But I think there's no reason USC shouldn't handle this game. I mean, they, yeah. if, if you watch that game, you're like, what is, this team is awful. And they are. I didn't get to watch it, so I cannot confirm Trust me. or deny. But I will because you're very adamant about it. They'd this. be awful. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer some questions. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I almost said Podcast of Champions because when you do the same show, you know, two shows in the same day, you get a little routines. And you, yeah. get, you know, you've done that with the Family Feud and stuff, I'm sure. I confuse the Family Feud intro and the Tunnel Vision intro for some reason. Yeah. Which is weird because they're completely separate things. <laughs> there are. Like, uh, the good thing for the podcast of champions, like, I don't start the intro. Like, David, I do oh, most good. of the work, but David starts the intro, so I just follow along. But nice. For, nice. for this, yeah, like, in for Tunnel Vision, you start the intro, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. For this, Harvey Hyde, you, whatever, I just do the same thing, and mm-hmm. that's pretty... Scream in the mic. I have no idea how that even started. Like, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, so it's not like I'm, I have a great memory. But... uh yeah, I don't remember how I got that one. Like where hello, but it's become a thing. Like people it's a thing. forget all the time. It's so. a thing. Uh, all right, what well, we got? 
We got a text from Marcel from the IE who said, uh, will USC honor Sam Cunningham with a helmet sticker? Will Alabama honor him as well? Good one, Marcel. Um, yeah, you know, I haven't asked anyone at USC. I'm sure, like, they, they're, you know, you can be critical of a lot of the stuff USC's done, like, from an administration standpoint. Obviously, it's better now that, you know, Mike Bone has come in. But these are one of those things I think that you would usually get right, um, even under, like, the the older, especially the other athletic directors, because they were football players. So yeah. there's something they would care about. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to honor something. I don't know if it'll be a helmet sticker, but there'll definitely be something. I Definitely will be some sort of announcement. I mean, that when we were at practice on Tuesday, um, that's when you know the word came out on Tuesday morning, I believe, that Sam passed away. Um, the first thing Clay Helton said was, you know, talked yeah. about Sam Cunningham. So. Yeah. So I'm sure they will honor him in some way that is special and respectful. So the helmet right in front of you. I think he was at that event that we. So we were at the Juju Smith Schuster. Um, his first like his gala. Yeah, his gala. His first For his annual. Foundation. And I believe Sam Bam Cunningham yep. was there, and he signed. Uh, right so there. I ended up purchasing a helmet for charity, and I thought, oh, we'll put this in the office and stuff. And uh, signed by a lot of great Trojans, and Sam Bam Cunningham's on there. So yep. cool. Cool, though. You know, we're looking at a signature right now. So Cool memory, for yeah. sure. Uh, we had a question from L.A. Fred, who said, it's year three in the Herald Air Raid, and yet he still can't scheme guys open or running to grass, as he says, and zero separation. Only four wide receivers even played, and only two caught passes. Why aren't there more guys involved and more options for Slovis? Is this even an air raid? Thanks, L.A. Fred. I like the last part of the question, because it doesn't... I mean, he's always said it's different than what Mike Leach ran. Yeah. But it seems like you've lost like the cool parts of what Michael like that would at least be fun. You know, like throw like completing passes to two wide receivers is not an air raid. You know, like there's something not something wasn't right. And it's a short, it's small enough playbook anyway. Why are you re- condensing it? Like, it's just basically, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking USC comes out and scores a bunch of points against Stanford. It gets my better judgment, but something wasn't, Something wasn't right. And you're right. It didn't resemble an air raid when they really just had confidence and throw it to one guy. And, you know, he threw a little bit more to Washington after he made that great catch. But there just wasn't a lot of target. I mean, the targets went 16 for Drake London and there was like 32, you know, 16 for everybody else. Um, I, I, yeah, that doesn't seem air raided to me. That just seems kind of, it's just something's not right. Yeah. The question I have going forward is how much of that is based on Keaton Slovis's comfort level? with the receivers that he has right now, is that something where he just, it was first game. He felt more comfortable just getting the ball to Drake. Cause you know what Drake's going to do with it. And then as the season goes on, he'll de- establish more chemistry. I just, I, it's peculiar to me because we saw uh, Joseph Manjack, We saw Michael Jackson. We saw other guys get rotated in scrimmages and practice. And so it just, it didn't resemble what we had seen all fall. Right, yeah. And that was what was odd. And so I don't know if that's a first game thing. They're trying to look different for week one than what we'll see going forward. I don't know. But the problem is that like I, I'm hesitant to give the benefit of the doubt, given that I feel like there's only a couple games where we go, wow, this offense really put points up on the board. Wow, this offense is really efficient. You know? like yeah. I can't point to a lot of times where I'm like, wow, this was really a, a great performance overall does it you know like i don't know if that's too harsh but i just don't think right now we have confidence that it will the the ship will be righted i 100 percent agree I, I actually asked keaton slovis about this because you know shotgun pointed out 
on the team, you had Drake London who had roughly a million catches, right? Whatever he did. And roughly. Then, uh, the only other guy on the team who's available that caught a pass as a Trojan was John Jackson. He didn't even play on offense. So no one else had caught a you know, ball in Cardinal and Gold. Now, after this game, only one more guy has caught a ball, and that's now Taj Washington. But he, you know, he was an All-American at, at Memphis as a freshman. I asked Keaton Slovis yesterday when after practice about getting some of these inexperienced guys, younger guys, confidence, like getting them the ball. Like sometimes if you're on a basketball team, you know, shots not going down, like getting the layup or getting to the free throw line and seeing the ball go through the hoop gives you confidence and you can make shots after that. Well, you know, getting the ball into somebody's hands and giving them confidence like they caught that first pass. I talked to Malcolm Epps. Seemed like he was pretty confident after catching that first ball. He was excited. He said, like, I saw Keaton break the tackle. So, I mean, it was a broken play, obviously, and yep. Keaton's running around. But we saw him break the tackle. He's like, I'm going to get the ball. And so, and he had a lot of confidence after that. You know, he got targeted twice, I believe. Um, but, you know, Manjack was targeted once, and it was a tipped ball. Like, it never even got near him. Like, he had no opportunity to put his hands on the ball at all. And we saw him make it. Anything that got near him in practice, he was catching. I feel, and, and, you know, Keaton admitted that like, yeah, I think he knows it's probably important to get all of these guys some touches just to give them some confidence, you yeah. know? And it just, I think they failed in that on the offensive side, going to London that many times now, because you weren't efficient on offense and because you settled for field goals instead of touchdowns. If you got some of those touchdowns, even if you had clunky other drives, you had a, a, you know, you had a decent enough lead where you could try to get other guys, but it was a one score game going in the fourth quarter. And that's where the problem lies is that they weren't able to try to like, I don't say, I guess experiment a little bit and make sure like, Hey, I know London's open. He's going to make a play, but let's try to get the man Jack. Let's try to get the, somebody, let's get Michael Jackson in the game. Let's get Kyle Ford out there. The former five-star. Yeah. They didn't do any of that stuff. And I think part of it was because. When they were inefficient on offense, now the game was closer than they wanted. So they sort of just stuck with what they knew, which was Keaton Slovis throw to Drake London. Yeah, I think the the word I, I was kind of searching for this whole podcast is like pressing. Like they were always pressing, it felt like. It wasn't yeah. like it was like relaxed football where they know like, hey, I can just chuck it to Man Jack or whatever. You know, it was like, we got to score right now. We, Drake London is the surefire guy that will catch this. So, I mean, and, and to Keaton's credit, like Todd Washington dropped a ball that was right over the middle should have been catched so like how much of this is first game jitters i i don't know but it just felt like they were pressing a lot in a game where i don't think they should have been and they should have probably been a, at least had a bigger lead going into the fourth quarter 100 percent. and i think the, if you want to look at watch if you're watching the tape look at the you know you go into halftime they failed the last couple drives or whatever. It just wasn't the offense wasn't going. You kind of had a bad taste in your mouth. You're like this should be a more lopsided score of what's going on there. And then they come out of the half and they like try a run. I think it was like a sideways vi run that goes for maybe they lost a yard or something. I think they lost a yard. They throw a pass to Drake London, like pretty much force it in there. He gets like five or six yards, and it's like third and five. They complete another pass to Drake London. They put him in the slot. It was a little slant thing, and he gets tackled like a half a yard short. It just felt like that was pressing. Like you, your first play gets stuffed. Now we got to get to Drake London, and you throw it to him twice. Complete two passes, and still don't get the first down. Like something's not, like someone else is open somewhere. There's there's other opportunities. That was to me the biggest issue. Is they came out of halftime when you knew you needed to like right the ship. 
and you just continued along the exact same path as what you're doing in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go to another question. I don't know who put it, so maybe you can see, Ryan. I'll take uh, a look. Rewatching the game, I noticed that a majority of Keaton's passes were outside with few throws over the middle. Is this mostly due to the drop eight defense that they were facing or more because London is now playing on the outside? The running game showed promise, and I think USC, if USC can continue to be effective running the ball, they will see less of the drop eight, creating better matchups, allowing Keaton to get the ball out faster. I would like to know your thoughts. Thanks and fight on. Uh, I thought they played more man than like, kind of, like they did some drop eight stuff, I think, but they did a bunch of man coverage too, which seemed kind of silly. Um, we talked to Graham Harrell uh, on Tuesday and he was kind of asking, he was asked about, you know, are you just expecting um, teams to just drop eight? And he said, it seems that way and kind of laughed about it and said, well, we'll still have to find ways to create explosives, which to him is like explosive plays. Um but that's the thing that like they keep arguing is like if they can just get the run game a little bit more efficient and have defenses ex- respect the run game, then if you can't hit home with three guys giving pressure, then maybe you can you have to put more guys in the box. You know what I'm saying? Like it it I think they're trying to get this run game at least more efficient to then put less pressure on the the wide receivers, but the problem is that now you don't have an Amon Ross St. Brown. You don't have a Tyler Vons where you know that that's going to be a surefire catch, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's the, when I mentioned whack-a-mole, it's like, okay, you, you kind of have at least alleviated some of the run game issues. And so it, it'll put less pressure on Keaton Slovis when there's the dropping eight. But now are you, do you know that Taj Washington is going to catch that ball? Do you know that that wide receiver you're going to throw to is a surefire guy? You know, I don't think that chemistry is there yet. And so that's why it kind of feels like whack-a-mole. It's like they solve one issue and another one pops up, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, and that was from Shane in Pennsylvania, by the way. Okay. So thank, thank you, Shane, Shane, for that. Yep. Any thoughts, Ryan? Oh. Uh, you don't have to have thoughts. No, I think I think you got it. You, you okay. nailed it. <laughs> okay. We have a question from Mark who said, uh, when you look at the tape, can you opine on the running game with uh, Justin Dietrich at right guard versus Voorhees? It appeared that he was able to drive people off the line. Mark. So Shotgun um, broke down the PFF grades. They didn't think they do a good job. It's hard to evaluate offensive linemen, especially when you're watching the entire game. I think if we had like the all 22 film and you could watch it from above, like do a better job of evaluating them on an individual basis. But they had both Justin Dietrich uh, and Andrew Voorhees as graded high, Um, you know, two of the higher graded USC players out there, uh, for, I think mostly for the the run blocking stuff that they were doing. So I think you know both of them seemed to be very you know effective at what they were doing out there, and it's good. I mean, it, it was good to see Dietrich get some run. Yeah, um, he's a hardworking yeah. guy, so it's good to see. Yeah, uh, you know, he talked to the media yesterday. I think uh, talked to Chris. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, got to him. So well, I, I talked to Clay McGuire yesterday, like I mentioned earlier, and I was asking how much of the rotation was planned coming into the game versus. Cortland Ford dislocated his finger and now you got to switch people up. And he said, I actually wanted to rotate more. He wanted to get Jalen McKenzie more reps, but he said, Justin Dietrich can basically be considered a starter because of there's no drop off when he comes in. So I think it's interesting. I mean, Chris had this funny quote when we were talking about it post uh, post practice. He was like, it's not wide receivers. It's offensive line. Like rotation is weird. Like, so it's a little, it's a little odd to see rotation for linemen in a game. But I, I, I think if you don't see a drop off competition, is good i i don't know you know we'll see i mean like i said pff graded usc's offensive lineman higher this game under clay mcguire so yeah 
It's a step forward. It's progress. Yeah, they've simplified things. They've the calls are easier. So I think there's less like mental busts happening. And you know, if some guy gets beat physically every once in a while, like that's going to happen. Uh, if you're rotating quarterbacks because you're like leading the thing, like that just hardly ever works, or mostly it never works. I I mean, I don't have an issue if you're gonna do this on the offensive line where if you feel like you got your two guards. And you got a third that you like that can plug in. And you got your two tackles and you got a third that you like, which is basically what they have. They got yep. McKenzie and Dietrich. And rotate those guys in sometimes. Now, you watch the film and you're like, yeah, we were way more effective when this guy was in than when the other guys were in. It's sort of like a, you know experiment, you know, uh, as long as you put someone in, you know, it's not going to last long if one of the guys is ineffective. Yeah. Um, but I so far, I have confidence that Clay McGuire would make the right call if someone is being less efficient in that space, given the fact that he started Montheim over Jalen McKenzie. Yeah. When in, I think in previous years, they would have gone with a more veteran guy. Mm. So we've seen that. We have seen that. Yes. <laughs> that, that face you made at me, Ryan. With that, I was just thinking the love of your life kind of comment. Yes, we definitely have seen that. <laughs> I, I buried that down in my mind. Let's go to another email. It's from our buddy Dan, class of 1962, who said, Hey, Keely and Ryan, I enjoyed the five-star comments for the Trader Joe's gift cards. Some were very creative. You both are five stars in my book. Well, thank you, Dan. Huh. Uh, there have been numerous reports about uh, name, image, and likeness contracts for players at Alabama and other schools worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. These contracts at top schools will definitely impact future recruits. What is USC doing, if anything, to come compete in this area uh, which usc players have created uh have name image and likeness contracts and are alumni with businesses supporting these contracts um excuse me sorry can you bring us up to date about usc's name image and likeness contracts and also the top contracts across across the country fight on and win dan class of 1962 hey dan um so this is up to individual players to share what they want to share like we know keen slovis signed with um clutch sports mm -hmm. um you know i think usc's got some good procedures in place and they're being you know more deliberate but it's sort of like i mean they're college students that are it basically have like side jobs and you know am i going to call you dan and say hey how much do you make you know like people don't always share like their financial uh you know just like it's just not something that's always public now if you're a coach or whatever, and you want to let people know because you want to use it as a recruiting advantage. Like, I think they're going to do that strategically, but a lot of the stuff is going to be on an individual basis and they don't want you to know what's going on. Now, sometimes you're, you're a sponsor. Like if you're the face of a company, if you know, Steph Curry's doing a subway ad, he's not going to say, um, I'm not telling you what commercial I'm going to work on. Cause then you could just turn on the TV and see it. But he's not going to disclose like how much money he's making and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, about that kind of stuff. Now, there's people trying to make a splash. There was a big one. Uh, I forget which. Was, uh, Michigan State just had a big one that they were going to work with um, some pro, and they were going to like sponsor like almost everyone on the team. Originally, Miami was doing something like that, and it came out that they were going to give six thousand dollars to everyone on the football team turns out you find out that that was going to be some exclusive rights deal and no one on the team took it that had a scholarship there was like a couple walk-ons that said yes to it and that's about it so there's going to be some bad deals there's going to be some like deals that are just people are announcing just to get their name out there that doesn't really work um, i just got an email today from someone that you know that's a i believe it's like a chicken wings company or something and there's they got a lot of college athletes from all over the country including a couple 
from USC. So we might do a story on stuff like that. But I would say, Dan, that's USC hasn't been quite as public about some of the stuff. And I think they're just being a little bit more deliberate. And, you know, it's up to the individual student athletes to if they want to talk about things or not. Yeah, it seems like USC's policies that they're going to let the players because it's not a deal with USC. It's the player's name, right, image, yeah. and likeness, hence the, the whole naming. But uh, USC's policy is just going to let the players do what they want to do with their deals. Because like we, we've heard from sources that like more players have deals than we know or are represented than we actually know right now. So I think it's kind of a, a waiting game a little bit to see if it will become public. But we've seen more deals come out as the season started. I mean, I think Jalen McKenzie got to deal with Denny's and uh, Keaton's with American Eagle, like some big stuff there. But um, I don't think it's one of those things where it's, it's not connected to the school. And I think some people get that confused where it's like it, the school itself would announce what deals are happening or whatnot. Um, it's definitely based on the player and what they want to do. Yeah. The uh, let's see, I got. Yeah. So uh, Max Williams, who's, you know, not even playing right now. And uh, he announced something on his Instagram um, a deal with, uh, what is it? Uh, Yoke. Uh, it's a company called Yoke that, uh, they put together a big, um, NIL deal. The, the, that's the spot, like the, the representative company or whatever. So well, like a wing, a wing, uh, some kind of wing store or something. So, but like Max Williams involved that he posted on his Instagram. So sometimes you'll see stuff on their social media. Um, but yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll keep, sharing what we find out but yeah. there's no uh, dan's question about like what's usc strategy like there the strategy is to like inform support uh your players not yeah the school's not out there trying to get you deals because that's yeah. not it's you have to get those on your own yeah you know? they're not gonna the school can't facilitate like hey we're gonna yeah that's not yeah, yeah. um we have one last question okay. josh from buckeye country says, hey, Ryan and Keely, I have a question. After watching Minnesota give Ohio State and Ryan Day the scare of the season thus far, is it me, or wouldn't you agree that P.J. Fleck is better at coaching than Clay Helton? I'm not trying to be on that negative fire Clay Helton train, but Fleck did more than last. Fleck did more last night than Helton has versus an opponent in his whole career, question mark? Josh from Buckeye Country. I love it when I people mean, are like, I'm not trying to say this, but then says that. So, like, so he's saying Fleck did more losing to Ohio State by a couple of touchdowns than Helton's ever done in his whole career. So here's the kind of statement that you're just like, okay, I, let's, we understand. You do not like Clay Helton. Do I think Clay Helton should currently be the head coach at USC? No, I, I wrote he should be fired years ago. He wasn't. He's still around. So we cover him because he's the coach of the team. He's been great to us. Uh, you know, I'll try to be very respectful with him. Uh, I think he does the same with us. I'll be honest about what my assessment is and all that. But to try to make your point, you can't say things that are just like blatantly false. Like, yeah. I would say beating Penn State in the Rose Bowl in exciting fashion is far greater than losing to Ohio State in a season opener. Yes. Now, that that just you're the hyper like is there something not like you're not in reality when you're saying that now if i'm doing a college coach draft like we're doing fantasy football and you're drafting college football players and what defenses and and coaches pj fleck would be selected before clay helton i would i always guarantee that across the board so yes i would say pj fleck 
is considered, if you talk to experts, a better college head coach than Clay Helton is. But him losing to Ohio State is not a better accomplishment than anything Clay Helton has done. I think both those things can be true. Yes. <laughs> I, I, you handled it, Ryan. Okay. I, so, my whole thing is like there are legitimate criticisms you can make about Clay Helton and, and his coaching era, but to make dramatic claims just doesn't help you. Just you're trying to like, yeah, you're trying to prove your point, but it's making your point like you can make legitimate points without saying Minnesota hung with Ohio State for a while. That's better than anything Clay Helton's ever done. Like, no, that that's not better than anything Clay yeah, Helton's ever done. Hyperbolic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, Ryan. That's all nice. we got. Uh, thanks, Josh, for that one. Big one coming up this weekend, Josh. Uh, Oregon coming to town. They're they're a fourteen and a half point underdog. The Ducks. Wow. Yeah, uh, I took Oregon in that one. Um, I think Fresno State's actually going to be a pretty good team, and you know I think Ohio State's going to win probably by like ten or something. But I don't know if they're going to win by like more than two touchdowns. So we'll see. We shall fourteen see. and a half is quite a bit. Uh, where are you on this? Because we're doing our picks now. Um, congrats to you. Thank you. And everyone else on the staff. We all got the USC cover. Except for Gerard. Gerard got it wrong. <laughs> uh, he took, he was upset too because the game kind of went the way he did. And to be fair, like that was a pretty lucky cover for USC because it was a one score game yeah. going into the uh, fourth quarter. The pick six really helped there. But this is so USC favored by two touchdowns over San Jose State. Mm hmm. Get to a conference opponent, Stanford, you know, bit of power in the north for a while. 17 point spread. So that was 18 at this point. As of this morning, I checked it was 17, okay. but okay. Maybe, I mean, points like more points than San Jose State. So USC, a week, seven days later, is, is predicted to beat Stanford worse than it beat San Jose State. Um, your initial thought, like, you don't have to do your pick right now. Okay. I'm going to send them out, but. See, this is the problem. Anyone who listened to the Family Feud podcast knows that I'm indecisive as all get out. So I can just see USC just like lighting it up. Yeah. Just completely just torching Stanford. And then I can also see it being the game you talked about earlier, Ryan, where Stanford really controls the clock and it gets a little dicey. I could go either way, but... I feel like it would be very USC to just like, you know how USC came out against Washington State in 2020 and it's just like, we're done. Like six yeah. years in the first quarter. I could see that happening as well. So, yeah, I, I think if know. USC gets that kind of lead, though, Stanford's not going to push it and try to catch up. Like they're yeah. just going to, they're sort of like going to go off, you know, like when a cat sort of knows it's like it's on its last legs, it just like crawls out in the corner and oh, goodness. it's pretty sad. I know. No, I pass away. don't know that. They do that. Uh, you get up twenty eight nothing on Stanford, like they're not they're not even gonna try. Like I just it's, Yeah, uh, you don't have, you don't risk like they're still gonna run the clock all the way down yeah. and everything. Um and it's just like you saw against Kansas State. I think they're gonna cover, which I, I never pick USC to cover spreads and stuff, but everyone else is so bad right now. Like I just yeah, I especially two weeks in a row, double digit. I've never done that for USC, but I'm gonna pick them again. So wow. We'll see. Spoiler alert. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, that'll wrap things up. Uh, great stuff. Excited for some college football this weekend. We'll have Tunnel Vision on Thursday night. You guys have a family feud coming up or no? Not this week. Not this week. Okay. We got Shotgun. We'll essentially have a family feud because Shotgun will return 
on Thursday. Shotgun's returning from health and safety protocols yes, on Thursday. He will be back. Uh, I'm actually going down to San Diego to speak at a Trojan event. So we're going to have Chris Trevino taking my place. Sort of, I guess, because Shotgun will be back. Uh, yeah. Musical chairs. Musical chairs and move them around, but that'll be great. So I will not be on the tunnel vision show, but we'll let these guys handle it. I'm sure they'll be. We'll be there Sunday. Wonderful. Yeah, Sunday. We'll recap be back for the, the recap. Yep. The big win for USC, I'm sure. We'll see. The, the three touchdown win I'm hoping for. So if my picks are correct. We shall see. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Kilior, I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.